Okay, it's going. Okay. The parishes are A. The parishes A. I'd like to um, go through a few psukim to remind ourselves. I mean, these psukim were there last year, as I always say, but somehow we managed to forget them from year to year. This is a theme that appears again and again in the book of Dvarim. In these psukim. The psukim say as follows. So, in other words, there is this idea that Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to Bnei Yisrael within this uh, context that they're going to Eretz Yisrael. And even though they're going to Eretz Yisrael, I mean, there's something special that has to be conveyed. And that special idea that has to be conveyed is that Eretz Yisrael, on the one hand, is demanding. I mean, demands a certain level of Torah observance. And also that Eretz Yisrael is dangerous. There's a danger involved in going to Eretz Yisrael. So in this Pasuk, in Pasuk Aleph, um, we say there are chukim and there are mishpatim, asher tishverun la'asot. That you have to keep them. You have to keep the chukim and the mishpatim. We all know the word chukim is an interesting word, and mishpatim is an interesting word. We're not dealing with that. Pasuk bet. Abed ta'abdun et kol ha-mekomot asher abdu sham ha-goyim, asher atem yoshim otam et Eloheihem al heharim haramim v'alagvaot v'tachad kol eitz ra'anat so this pasuk says as many many psukim say in the book of Dvarim you have to deal with idolatry you have to get rid you have to get rid of idolatry wherever, wherever it's found now obviously if the Torah mentions again and again or if Moshe Rabbeinu mentions again and again idolatry get rid of idolatry you have to take care of this problem when you come to Eretz Yisrael obviously it was clear to Moshe Rabbeinu it was clear to the Rebbe Shalom that this was a real problem that you would think they'd go to Eretz Yisrael they'd win all these battles they'd be able to divide up the land and everything would be terrific you know they'd build a Beit HaMikdash and, uh, and everything would be as it should be but the Torah constantly tells us as though to say we the Torah Moshe Rabbeinu Rebona Shalom, we know that it's not going to be okay. And so we've got to warn you again and again in the hope that the warning will have an effect. So, Pasuk Gimel, V'nitatztem et mizbechotam, V'shibartem et matzevotam, V'asherahem tisrifun ba'eshu, P'silei Eloheihem tigadeun, V'ibadatem et shemamim ha'akom ha'olam. I mean, that's pretty clear. I mean, how many words can you find in the Hebrew language for smashing something? All those words are in this pasuk. Smash it and smash it and smash it and smash it. As though, as though the people are hard of hearing or deaf in some way. And this is the only way to, to get their attention. I mean, how are you going to get the attention of the people who are coming to Eretz Israel? So, 
Pasuk Dalit. Lo tasun kein l'ashem elokechem. Ki im el ha-makom sh'yivchar ha-shem elokechem kol sh'yitichem l'sumet shmo sham l'shichno t'idrishu uvat ha-shav. So it seems reasonable to us that the purpose of going to Eretz Yisrael is to build the Beit HaMikdash. However, there's a condition. Of course, you're going to build the Beit HaMikdash if you don't get rid of idolatry. Or if worse, the, the people are... Uh, um, actively somehow in idolatry so, so you have to get rid of the idolatry you have to build the Beit HaMikdash and then when you build the Beit HaMikdash those of you who know the laws of Korbanot you know that each of these words is a technical term there's a difference between an Allah and a Zevach and a Maaser and Trumat Yetchem, Nidrechem. All these things are different, but they all represent the same idea. After you build the Beit HaMikdash, the Beit HaMikdash becomes a place to which you bring those things that you wish to share, that you wish to share with, with heaven. So, Pasuk Zayin, Vachaltem Sham, Lifne Hashem Elokechem, Usmachtem Ekom Eshmach Yadchem, Atem Uvadtechem, Eshebirachicha Hashem Elokechem. Elokecha. So here we come to a Pasuk that really interests me. This is the Pasuk that kind of we should be able to use as the fulcrum of our attention. This Pasuk says, Vachaltem Sham, Lifne Hashem Elokechem. Okay. Because you know that some of the things listed in the previous psukim, not the Olah, but the Zevach, the Ma'asrot, the Neder, the Nedarim, the Nedavot, so those things are, are shared with Gavoah. There are some things that you bring, some you bring a Korban to, um, to the Beit HaMikdash, and there's a sharing. Some of it is eaten by the Kohen, some of it is consumed by fire, some of it is eaten by the Baalim. So this Pasuk says, Vachaltim Sham, Lifnei Hashem Elokechem. And then the Pasuk goes on and makes this odd comment, Usmachtem, Usmachtem, as though, and you better be happy, or this is going to make you happy. And, and what difference does it make if it makes you happy or it doesn't make you happy? And if you would say there's an obligation to be happy, well, how do we do that? How do we fulfill the obligation to be happy? I mean, do we tickle ourselves? I mean, do we, like, have solitelling jokes in the Beit HaMikdash? I mean, or if it's a feeling... How do I know that I have the feeling? But then the Torah uh, continues and, the, and modifies the word usmachtem and adds bekol mishlach yetchem. Bekol mishlach yetchem. Now, bekol mishlach yetchem, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. I like what it might mean. You know, like whenever you look at words very closely, like the closer you look at things, you always feel you understand them less, and not that you understand them more. It's like learning Torah. It's like turning, you know, like I always say, a beginner, the beginners, they understand the most. Because they go to Shir, and the Rebbe tells them, this is what it means. And they say, hey, great, we know what it means. 
after a couple of years, the Rebbe says to them, look, I don't really understand what this means. You know, I thought I understood it when you were in, in grade A, or grade 1. But now that you're in grade 10, I don't understand what, you, what, what it's talking about anymore. So that when you look at things very carefully, instead of understanding them better, you often find that you don't understand them at all. So, Bechol Mishlach Yadcha could mean whatever you do. Whatever enterprise you are enterprising. But it's hard to understand what the Pesach is talking about. And right in the middle of everything, Usmachtem Bechol Mishlach Yadchem. Whatever you send your hands out to do. Like, does it mean like, you know, if you're a doctor, so you should be happy that you're a doctor. And if you're a farmer, you should be happy that you're a farmer. Or does it mean that you made a lot of money? You, you, you took a, chose a good profession. You, you made a lot of money. And if it's true that you made a lot of money, and if it's true that you should be happy, what's it got to do with the Beit HaMikdash? What's it have to do with all these Korbanot? But that's what it says in this Pasuk. There's no Rashi, there's no Ramban. It just says that in the Pasuk. means your family. I mean, there's usually, if one person is making a big killing on the stock market, so everybody benefits. You know, everybody gets a credit card based on, you know, all that money that is being made on the stock market. That's including the Batim. Hard to know exactly what this is. Don't be the way we are now. Everybody does their own thing. I guess that means they're not happy. They're like sneaking around. Where are they sneaking around? In the Midbar, in the desert. What is this person talking about? Because when you go across the Jordan, you will sit there in the place that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is manchil etchem. Manchil is a nachala. The word nachala. The word nachala means, I don't know, super propriety. Well, it's not like you, you own it. But God gave it to you. It's not like owning it. That's better than owning it, right? Owning it is just a convention that people manage to organize between themselves because they thought that if they didn't organize, they would go around and kill each other. So that would not be productive. So manchilet chavi. Say here, this is not like uh, the Canaanites and the Jews organized, or like you have the Israelis and the Palestinians are trying to organize who owns this dunam of land, right? It's not like that. It was, uh, because today, in modern times, it's very hard to bring this argument to the table that it belongs to me, because God gave it to me. So we have to bring other arguments. But in the, the Torah, it says, you're going to go to Eretz Israel. And you're going to own it because God gives it to you. And that's called Menucha v'Nachala. That's the Menucha v'Nachala. 
פסוק י"א, והיה מקום אשר יבחר השם אלוקיכם בו לשכן שמם, ומקום, וזה גנדס איידי מקום, את בית המקדש, שם תביאו את כל אשר אנחנו מצווה אתכם ואלוקיכם וזבחיכם ומסורתיכם ותשמעתי אתכם, וכל מבחר דידויכם אשר תדעו להשם, a repetition of the same idea. Eretz Yisrael, Nachala, Beit HaMikdash, there you bring all the Tzav. And then once again, Usmachtem lefnei Hashem Elokeichem. Atem uvineichem unotichem avdechem avotichem avlevi Hashem b'shariichem. Gelo chelek v'nachala itchem. This time, the second time, the Pasuk says, Usmachtem, but doesn't say, what doesn't it say? Where's the first time? What? It doesn't say Maaseh. Mishlach Yetchem, right? Pasuk Zayin. Mishlach Yetchem. It doesn't say Mishlach Yetchem. But what does it say in this last Pasuk? Ba'alevi. Asher b'sha'arechem ke'elochet v'nachalachem. And if I was literary minded, I would say maybe the Torah is trying to tell us something, that there's some comparison that's being made between Bikol Mishlach בכל משלח ידכם הלוי אשר בשעריכם כי אין לו חלק ונחלה איתכם So in other words, what's a לוי? You know what a לוי is What is a לוי? I mean, I know he belongs to a certain uh, tribe and he's a certain job What? He what? Who doesn't have Yeah, it's true What you say, sure, it's also somebody who could sing. No? No, his lady's not a sing. What? He's a what? Disappointed coin. Maybe. I don't know. I never felt that way. I'm a lady. You know, it's like you just missed out. It's like a lady just missed out being a, like a Israel. No, no. Never had a chance. But a lady is close. I don't, I don't know about that. A levy. A levy? What? Okay, sir. Yes. But listen, all these answers are right, but I want the right answer that fits into what I want to say. What? No, I think a levy is um, institutional, institutional poverty. That's what I think a levy is. A levy can't earn a living. He can't earn a living because he can't. He doesn't have land, and the only way to earn a living in those days is to have land. So instead of earning a living, what is the levy? What is the levy? He's on the perpetual dole. You know, people have to give him money in exchange. So I mean, in the system, in the Torah system, right, the, the Torah addresses poverty in many ways. <laughs> But in this case, it's important to remember that the levy is poverty that's organized by the Torah. It's as though the Torah says, it's as though the Torah says, in order to run this operation that's called Eretz Yisrael and Beit HaMikdash, you need poverty. You need people who are going to be supported, have to be supported by others. That's what you have to have. And that that poverty is somehow related, in Pasuk Yudbet, to Usmachtem Lefnei Hashem Elokech. Right, I remind you again, 
The Pasuk Zayim says, V'zachaltim shalom lefnei Hashem elokeichem u'smachtem b'kol mishlach yetchem. I want to. I, I just want to look here at Dvarim Pasuk Perik Tetzayin. Again, in, the, in our parish, at the end of the parish of Re'eh, there's a reference to the um, to the Moadim about Sukkot. The pasuk says, "Chag Sukkot aselcha shivat yemim basvecha migonecha miyikvecha v'samach da bechagecha." So we understand if somebody says to to you, "Why?" Where's the simcha come from on Sukkot? Well, because it's the time of Asif. Right? It's sort of like, like the, uh, the uh, farmers. The farmers get a bank statement. And Sukkot. And if the bank statement says, you know, is what, what color is good? Green? Green, blue, or black? It's black, but it's not red. Like it could be any color, but it can't be red. If it's any color but red, so the samachta. You know, what do you have to tell him? Of course, he's going to be happy. I mean, they're all bringing, they're happy on Sukkot, running around with their bank statements, and they know that 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 they say, "Why does the Torah have to tell you to be samachta bechagecha?" Shivat yamin tachog l'Hashem elokecha b'kol shivcha Hashem kivrecha Hashem elokecha. So there's a connection again, Sukkot. Oh, Asif, Simcha, right? Simcha, and then Beit Hamikdash. What does Rashi say? Rashi says, "Vayitach Samech." Right? You know, this is uh, this is at the end of Pasuk Tetvav. It says, "Shivat Yamim Tachog Lashem Elokecha Ba'Vakom Sheivchar Beit Hamikdash." Right? Ba'Vakom Sheivchar Hashem Kiyevarechicha Hashem Elokecha Bechol Tuatcha. You see that Masayadecha? It appeared again. But Masayadecha, just like Pasuk Zion. Because here it says Mishlach Yetchem. And then it's here it says Masayadecha. It sounds to me very similar. I'm sure that there's a difference, but it sounds like a priori, it sounds very similar. As though that's what that's what's really happening. And it's a Vayita Achsameh. Pasuk Yudalit says, Visamachta. It's like a directive. Be happy. And then in Pasuk, in Pasuk Tetvab, it says, Vayida Achsamech. Achsamech, I don't know exactly what that means, but let's make believe we do know what it means. I will say very. That Ach means very. So there's a mitzvah to be Sameach on Sukkot. But then. Shivat uh, Yamim, we give you a chance to think about how happy you really should be, and how great everything is, and how the bank statements look so good. Vayita Achsamech. Vayita Achsamech is not clear whether that's a command or not. What does Rashi say? Rashi relates to this question. Vayita Achsamech, Lefipshuto, Ezelashon Tzivui, Ezelashon Haftacha. So you see, Rashi is telling us one of the secrets of the Hebrew language. How's that? That would be a good book to write. Secrets of the Hebrew language. I mean, the secrets of the Hebrew language in the Torah. What does he teach us? He says, with with the tzivui form. Remember tzivui? You don't remember Ulpan? Nobody? What? You know, there are four zmanim 
in most Hebrew declensions, verbal declensions. One's called Avar, that's called Oveh, the third's called Atid, and the fourth, the fourth is called Sivui. Of course, those of you who have like looked into this know that those names are bad names. Because it's not true that Avar is about the past and that Atid is about the future. But okay, we'll live with it. Because, you know, that's Ulpan. What can we do? You can't fight Ulpan. But they're wrong. So the Rashi said Tzivui. When the Torah says Atzivui, it's hard to know where the Torah means you do it or the Torah means then it will happen. Rashi says we don't know what that means and the Torah demands that you should be Sameach or it means and surely you'll be Sameach are they running around on sukkahs with their lulav and esrog and have their bank statements telling how much money they made so of course you'll be happy so it's hard in Hebrew to know it's hard in Hebrew to know whether something is a tzivui or something is a promise. And for that reason, you need to show them to list the mitzvahs. If we didn't have some kind of listing of the mitzvahs by just looking at the Chumash, we wouldn't always know. But here you have another pasuk in this parsha, which talks about Simcha and connects it to the Bechol Decha. Right? Two pasukim in the same parasha. I remind you of a third pasuk. The third pasuk is at the end of Parshat Kitavo, at the end of what we call the Tochacha. Right? Do you remember the Parshat Kitavo? There's a part of the Parsha where it says, if you don't listen, this is what's going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Then it does, it's really terrible. And then at the end of that, there's this pasuk. Tachat Simcha. Sounds like, sounds like simcha is an added element to mitzvah. That I can do all the mitzvot that exist in the Torah, but if I don't do them b'simcha, as the Hasidim say, I haven't done them at all. I haven't done this like, a, a, you know, for us litvaks, I mean, or like, I always say the modern orthodox are litvaks. You know, because... They're not so happy about doing mitzvot. So Mistama, they're, they're, they're Litvaks. The Litvaks are always, they're also not happy because they're always thinking. They say, is this the way I should do it? Is this the right way? Is that the right way? The Hasidim never think that way. Hasidim always know that they're doing the right thing because they do what the Rebbe said or they do what their fathers did. They don't have any problem. It's like, you know, in uh, psychologically, they've attained a level of normalcy that eludes the Litvaks. But on the other hand, the Litvaks are thinking all the time. I mean, maybe that's also good. So you have this idea of Simcha. You have this idea of Simcha. Now, uh, I want to look at the last, um, on the second page, the last source is a Rambam. The last source is a Rambam. The Rambam says, at the end of Ilchot Lulav, right? Perek Chet Halachat Vav. After he talks about the obligation of Simcha 
on Sukkot and how they had, you know, the, the Simchat Beit Eva in the Beit HaMikdash, which was a, a wonderful uh, kind of event. So the Rambam says this, HaSimcha, SheYismach Adam BaAsiyat HaMitzvah, UBaAvat HaKem SheTzivabahem, now this, based on this Rambam the Rambam could have been a Hasidish Rebbe just based on this Rambam I mean, it's hard for Litvaks to figure out what is the Rambam talking about Hasidim wouldn't have any problem but they probably drink a schnapps you have a little happy, you're happy and that's it the Rambam says Avodad Gdolahi that this is a tremendous avodah. Avodah is a labor, a service, uh, uh, something that you do for heaven. It says this is something special, simcha. It's not like like just shaking a lulav or eating a matzah. It's something really important. And if somebody purposely decides that he's not going to be happy, He'll do what he has to do, but he won't crack a smile. He won't be happy. I mean, whatever happy means internally, I mean, we have to talk to the Raman to find out. You know, you know, there's something. There's a thing today called positive psychology. You know, you know that positive positive psychology is even it even um, made its appearance on the university. Of course, it's organized by a Jew, because all psychologists in the world are Jewish. I don't know why that is or how they manage to keep everybody else out but all psychologists are Jewish all psychiatrists are probably also Jewish but psychiatrists just give you pills and injections and psychologists think about it you know so, so there's a guy named Seligman certainly he's Jewish his first name is Marty yeah, a guy named Marty Seligman who's not Jewish I mean, it just couldn't be so he invented this thing about positive psychology and uh, I don't know too much about it but, but uh, the idea was the idea was that psychologists should not only measure people who are ill you know, have, have problems that can be identified, classified and named but they should also uh, investigate people who are happy and you know doing well and, and, and feel that life is, uh, is a great experience and see if they could measure things like that like yeah, then you could go to somebody who's not so happy and say well look here why do you think about this other person who's very happy and you'll see what they do and what they think happiness is and maybe you could imitate it somehow that's called positive psychology I'm sure that I have not given it its, uh, its due here but uh, uh, but if you're interested, you can find out more information about positive psychology. In fact, there's a guy, uh, an Israeli, whose name is Tal Ben Shachar. You know, but uh, he used to teach in Harvard. They must have gotten rid of him because too many people came to his class. He had the largest attendance in any class given in Harvard College. And he taught this, and the name of the course was do you want to be happy or something like that you know like, like the kind of thing you figure you're going to get on a, on a, on a retreat 
where the guy plays the guitar and and tells stories of Rabbi Nachman, you know. Uh, so he did it. He did this. His name is Tal Ben Shachar, and he apparently came back to Israel. He lives in Israel now. He, what? He's where? Oh, the IDC. Okay, now, is that better than half? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this guy, Marty Seligman, he's in the University of Pennsylvania. So they're all like very, uh, you know, uh, considered to be you know, serious scholars. I mean, I have no idea what that meant. When I was in college, I studied math. I knew what that meant. But I, I don't know what all these people who are serious scholars, I don't know exactly what they're doing. But... This is, this is the verse I'd like to know. I'd like to ask the Rambam how he thinks you do this. I mean, I can't imagine the Rambam himself on Sukkot jumping up and down and smiling. I mean, you ever see a picture of the Rambam with a big smile on his face? Never. I mean, those pictures are not true pictures, but I'm saying, who would, who would draw a picture of the Rambam laughing? I mean, that's, that's like, you know, it's like drawing a picture of Chaim laughing. Did he laugh? I suppose he laughed sometimes, but I mean, I'm not going to paint him laughing. I mean, you're going to paint him serious, because that's what he was. He was a very serious guy. Maybe when he went to the Makolet, and the, the guy who sold, uh, sold him milk in the Makolet told him a joke, maybe he laughed. I don't know, but you wouldn't paint him that way. So that's what the Rambam says. The Rambam says, he says, Shinemar, how do I know all this? There's a pasuk. Who, who, who uh, has a coarse way, a coarse attitude to things. And he gives himself a lot of credit. He says, a person does not join in the Simcha, which is kind of like a little demeaning. Simcha is, is a democratizing process. You can't be a Sameach and also be the president of the shul at the same time. Right? Sameach means, Sameach means you're together, Sameach. Right? You go to a wedding. And you dance in a circle. You know how you dance in a circle? <laughs> I give you like rabbinic, uh, rabbinic like insight. Not, uh, not my want. But you know, you dance in a circle because the circle has no beginning and no end. So the people dancing in the circle, they can't say I'm the president because there's nobody's, nobody's is in a better place than anybody else. But you go to shul, they say, look, you want to be the president? We'll put you in a seat up in the front. In fact, if you really want to be, we'll even elevate it for you. And that'll mean, that'll mean that even though for the last ten years you didn't come to shul and daven at all, now you're the best davener in the shul. All of a sudden, we just elected you to be the best davener in the shul. So that's what, that's what uh, uh, the Rambam says. In other words, he keeps himself separate from everybody else. He keeps himself separate from everybody else. You can't be happy. I mean, you can't, that's, that's not happiness, according to the Rambam's definition. Don't 
make yourself too important when you're standing before the king. Talking about us doing mitzvot before the Rebbeinu Shalom. That's what Shlomo Amel says. For here the Rambam does one of these Rambam mystic tricks and he changed Simcha to Ava. Right, you know, Ava is a very basic word for the Rambam. Right, the relationship between us and God is usually called Ava. And here he's stuck in that Simcha and Ava have something to do with each other, which we're not going to talk about now. But you have to know that it's there. But ain't David Amelch Yisrael Amar, Benekaloti od mizot vayiti shafal be'enai. Be'enai gedulava. But in other words, that being humility is a prerequisite to Ava and also apparently to Simcha. Simcha, as you know, is not the person who can turn somersaults at the wedding. Even though the person who can turn the somersaults, he's handy. You know, because then no one else has to do it. You know, you have somebody who's doing it, so that sort of puts everybody else in the clear. But Simcha, so he's like entertaining us. Right? You know, I get people at weddings, they they entertain. Like that becomes becomes a thing at the wedding. A thing, like it's called shtick. That's a Hebrew word, somebody told me. Like, like you do shtick to make everybody happy. So, uh, so for some reason, the shtick becomes the thing instead of the simcha. But if you go to like a yeshiva, if you go to a wedding of a yeshiva, yeshiva guys, they don't do shtick. They just go around in a circle. I think that they're right. I think that the simcha any simcha, but certainly simcha, the chasun kala, for the guests, has something to do with the togetherness of it. Like, why am I here? Everybody has the same answer. Simcha shel chatan v'kala. And that's why, that's why he danced. That's why he danced in the circle. But of course, you know, people are always nervous about how they get a fare. So they have to bring gizmos to the wedding and you know blow things up and have balloons that go up and down and people go up you know it's like all this go I'm not sure I, I don't I, I don't go for it but it may only be because I'm old right I can't say that you know when you get old that everything stays the same but I think that that's what you're supposed to do dance around in a circle because that's the simcha that Everybody is the same. Everybody's equal. There's nobody who is. Um, and even you know, if you have, uh, uh, if there are great uh, rabbis who come to the wedding, still they they will take the trouble to dance with the uh, assemblage as the simcha part of the wedding. So now, uh, that's what the Rambam says. That's what the Rambam says. At the end of the pasuk, Rambamelch David mifazez umicharker lifnei Hashem, and David Rambamelch was singing and dancing before Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and everybody else, everybody else was was singing and dancing. So we've discovered, we have discovered uh, that uh, we've discovered that there's simcha, and there's simcha in doing mitzvot, and there's the simcha of, of the simcha of um, Mishlach Yetchem. There's the Simcha of in 
Besimcha of Bekol Decha. We have these ideas that are floating around. We understand that the Leviim, I told you that the Leviim were a caste of poor people. And I just want to remind you that it's, it's not on the sheet, but I want to remind you anyway that in this parsha, in Paratet Vav, it says the following if there's a poor person you should be kind to him you should not uh, not be try to save money and be frugal but you have to you have to support him so you all know so this is a these are psukim in our parasha in the parasha of Re'e that if there's a poor person you come across a poor person you have to you have to help him out so everybody knows Everybody knows that there's a Gemara, the Gemara in Bava Batra. There's a, there are several places, places in the beginning of Bava Batra, starting from Daftet, that talk about the mitzvah of tzedakah. And one of the things that the Gemara mentions there about the mitzvah of tzedakah is a discussion that took place between Turnus Rufus and Rabbi Akiva. Tunis Rufus, you understand, represents the bad guys. The Romans, thinkers, bad people. And Rabbi Akiva, he's our representative. So Tunis Rufus went to... Uh, he says, he says, Tunis Rufus says, he doesn't stand the Torah. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves the poor then why should the Kodesh Baruch command us to take care of them? Why doesn't a Kodesh Baruch take care of the poor himself? That was Turnus Rufus's question to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said, said this. No, it's not on the sheet. I'm sorry. But just a story. You'll remember the story. So Rabbi Akiva said to Tunis Rufus, he said, you're right that God loves the poor. And you're right that God might act, be able to take care of the poor on, on his own. It didn't have to be poor. But it's rather HaKadosh Baruch created the poor and this obligation in order that we be saved by giving charity, by giving tzedakah from the judgment of Gehenom. In, in other words, tzedakah, this is what Rabbi Akiva said, tzedakah is so powerful that even if you've messed up everything else in your life and you deserve uh, uh, the worst possible punishment that you could imagine, even if that is true, if you give staka, if your life was a life of, of charitable giving, then you'll be saved from uh, from staka, from, from Gehenna. So Trudis Rufus didn't heard the answer, but he had a further question. He said, I, I don't understand. If a king got angry at his servant and put him in jail, 
with orders that he not be given food or drink, one of the servant's friends took pity on him and surreptitiously brought him food and drink. Obviously, Turnus Rufus says, if the king were to find out, he would be furious. He would perhaps even send the friend to jail as well. And so we should understand that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants a certain person to be poor, he is meant to be poor. By giving stakat to that poor man, you are denying the divine plan for that man. Now, this is a tough one. I mean, Turnus Rufus was definitely a smart fellow, even though he's a bad guy. So, what do you say? I mean, I mean, uh, of course, it, 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 it's stylized a little bit, because it's the Torah that says you should give tzedakah, right? The Torah says you give tzedakah. But let's say, the question is a question. What did Rabbi Akiva answer? So Rabbi Akiva said, I'll tell you a different parable. I'll tell you a different story. What happens, Rabbi Akiva said, if a king gets angry at his son, his own son. Kuturnus Rufus said, the king got angry at a servant. And Rabbi Akiva says to him, what if the king got angry at his own son and put him into jail without food or drink? One of the son's friends had pity on him and surreptitiously brought him food and drink. Unquestionably, in spite of the fact that the king is very angry at his son, he is glad that someone disregards his instructions and is concerned about his son. Indeed, he may even thank his son's benefactor. So, what did Rabbi Akiva say? Well, it depends. That even in heaven, there might be various ways to consider the situation. And since Bnei Yisrael and the poor of Bnei Yisrael are Banim, are the sons of Hashem Elokecho, there's no doubt that the punishment of poverty is met with a dual position or a dualistic position in heaven that even though the impoverished deserve to be, impo- to be impoverished HaKadosh Baruch would like his people to act compassionately to those poor and not make the judgment not make the judgment to them now there are two Gemaras that I'd like to uh, uh, I'd like to mention before we try to wrap things up a little bit you see on the bottom of the first page that you have there's a Gemara from Erechen you know that when the Jews came to when they came to Yamsuf um, the sea split they went through the sea and they, sang, and they sang a Shira so the Gemara said the Gemara was said how did they know I know that that's what God wants them to do that that's a reasonable response that they should be singing a shira where did that come from? Shinema v'shereit b'shem Hashem elokecho ezu shereit shebashem this part of it I'm not I'm not so interested in but I'm interested in Rav Matna Amar Mehacha Rav Matna says this is the third line the third line in this section so that 
the Gemara has a different shot of Simcha, this Gemara, than the Rambam. The Rambam seemed to think that Simcha means you're all dancing in a circle together at the Simcha of the Mitzvah that you're doing. According to the Gemara, according to the Gemara, the Simcha is Shira. That you're able to turn to God and say things that you ordinarily are unable to say. And that is, that is the result of Ayamino Bashem of Moshe Avdo. That they were able, they were able to express themselves in a way which they felt was more appropriate for heaven. Just as we know, we know that that we can't. Uh, we when we daven in the morning, we daven shacharis. We say kadosh, 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 Hashem tzvaot three times. Right? We say it three times. We say it as an introduction to Kriyat Shema. We say it in Kedusha and Shemona Esrei And we say it again of all the Now what's Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh For us, for us It's kind of an ultimate prayer And by saying it we say Look we really can't be like the angels But we can repeat What the angels said The angels will teach us how to daven. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu taught us to say Hakel, Hagadol, Hagibor, Vanorah. The angels taught us to say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. But there are times Kriyat Yamsuf there are times when we can express ourselves in a way that is more acceptable to our Kodesh It could be that that's what, what Nusach HaTfilah is. Nusach HaTfilah is to give us confidence that we're not being Chatzufim. That, you know, like you go, if you go, we will stand before God and you say, okay, now Davin. So, I mean, a good response would be, me? I mean, how could I daven? I mean, what can I... I mean, people can always express their pain to HaKadosh Baruch but that's not davening. Davening has certain features that have to be maintained. So you can say, look, I can't daven. So, so Anshik Zesedagdola gave us a text. And what that text does is make it possible to daven. Because a thoughtful person will understand that he has limitations. And he can't just go and daven. But when you have the text of Ajay Tessah, oh, you can. So that's an advantage that we have. There's one more Gemara, a little bit. This was not printed exactly the way I asked, but, but listen to this. The Gemara in Kiddushim Dafei Bet Amud Aleph. There's a Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon Elazar Omer. You see that? Page 2 at the top. He says, Ra'ita miyamecha chayava of sheyeshlem umnus umanut. Did you ever see, ever see an animal who was a silversmith, who was a doctor, who hung out a shingle and said, my office hours are from A to B and the prices are... You ever see that? No, you never saw that. And all these animals, they seem to earn a living without pain. They don't have any, you know, they, you go out and you, you, eat the, you eat the grasses or you eat from the bushes or you kill another animal. You do whatever you do. And the animals, the animals are not, uh, they're not philosophical. They live. And some of them live to an older age, to a ripe old age. And some of them, some of them don't. He said, if you look around, you say, what are these animals? What are the animals? They're supposed to, they're supposed to serve me. 
they're supposed to, if I'm hungry, I'll eat one. If I need somebody to guard me, I'll get one to guard me. I mean, that's what their job is. They don't have a job in the, in the, in the sense of creation, which is different than, uh, than, than taking care of me and my interests. And I, meaning man slash woman, was created to serve God, my maker. Edodin so how come I can't earn a living like they earn a living they don't worry like it rains they don't worry it doesn't rain they also don't worry I mean, they take it they put up with it he says so I should also be that way but I know that it's because of what I did I affected by what I did and the sins that I that I uh, that I was involved with, my parnasa. So that that he says, he said the Gemara says that there's this kind of curious question. On the one hand, we have a question about about poor people. What do we need poor people in the world for? On the other hand, how come we're always worried? I've been always suffering about uh, earning a living and not earning a living. And, and, and the animals, they're never worried about that. They're not worried about earning a living. I mean, the cats, they run around usually and they figure the next garbage pail is going to have a seven-course dinner for them. They don't get neurotic because the last garbage pail was not, you know, a treasure trove. They just keep going. They keep... Right? Uh, I take I, I retract the, the example of cats I retract that example okay so so that's the question so the answer is the answer is in the Gemara the answer in the Gemara the end of condition is we, we did it to ourselves that's what we did we made ourselves miserable and that's why no matter how good it is how many telephones you have and how many credit cards you have you know, you know again I'm being, I'm being a little rabbinic now no matter what you have you just feel the pressure and you feel the tension and there's no way to get over it and you know that's why you have to go back away for a weekend and like see if you could smoke some a little marijuana to relax that's what you have to do that's how it works that's how it works in our world the animals are not like that that's what the that's what the Mishnah says and the Gemara says so you have these problems of poverty on the one hand of simcha how do you put it how do you put it together so I would say this let me just uh, let me take a chance I would say this you know that uh, Adam HaRishon did a bad thing he did this in consort with Chava they deserved to be punished and what was their punishment they were forced to live a world and they were pushed into a different world now when you say that they were pushed into a different world there are two ways of looking at it one is that they went from good to bad they went from good to bad another possibility is that after all the bad was also created by HaKadosh Baruch the world that we live in I mean it was there all the time it was like there was Gan Eden 
And then there was outside of Gan Eden. It's true that Adam Arishon was in Gan Eden in the beginning, but outside of Gan Eden was also there. So if outside of Gan Eden was also there, is it reasonable to say it was from good to bad? It's more reasonable to say that Adam Arishon was sent from one kind of good to another kind of good. What was the difference? between good A and good B the difference was that in good A we'll, look, we'll learn uh, like a little Kabbalistic lingo right, that, that uh, Odom Arishon in, in good A was a Mechabel everything, he, he was a res- the recipient of divine goodness he wanted to eat, he ate he wanted to sleep, he slept the weather was not a problem, there was no issue in his life I mean of course it was a very short uh, period of time, but there was no issue that's what Ganeden is Ganeden is you have everything, it's all at hand it's also true that in Ganeden there is no needy people because for everybody in Ganeden, it's Ganeden it's not a half Ganeden or a quarter of Ganeden so that Adam Arishon was created as a Mechabel as a person who is supposed to just take and imbibe and exchange for taking and imbibing he would have a special relationship with a Kodesh what about goodness number two after he was kicked out of Gan Eden then he was forced to work in goodness number good number two he was forced to work to earn his way but but now he lived in a world where he could be happy about Maasei Yadecha he lived in a world where he had the choice he had the choice to use Maaseya Dav in a positive way. And so that the Simcha, the Simcha that the Parsha is talking about, Simcha, the Simcha that the Parsha is talking about is the Simcha of being able to use what you do and what you accomplish for the good of creation. That's called Simcha. This is not what the Rambam says, and this is not exactly what the Gemara asks, but it's an answer. And so our Kodesh Baruch Hu says to B'nai Yisrael, Kodesh Baruch Hu says, you know what Avodah Zorah is? This is a, a topic. But you know what Avodah Zorah is? You want something. That's what Avodah Zorah is. That your relationship to the idolatry is functional. You know what Avodah Hashem is? Avodah Hashem is Simcha. It's the recognition that the Torah directs you. The Torah directs you to use your kohot, to use your talents, your abilities, and that which you produce, to use all that for the benefit of others. And so the Torah says, the Torah says, you know, there's going to be a group of people called Leviim, and those Leviim will enable you to be Sameach, to be happy, because you have to support them, and you have to take care of them. Not only that, but our Kaddish Baruch Hu promises us that there will be Evyonim, 
that there will be people who need support because that's what creates simcha and that's what enables us that's what enables us to be to be the positive people in the creation even though we're in creation B and not in creation we're not in, in, in Gan Eden we're in the world but in the world we can also be positive and do things with the with the Maseya uh, dying uh, which was seen as being a punishment so that it's not that uh, it's certainly true that we're punished but it seems that there are two ways to serve God and one way is to be totally passive about existence and concentrate on your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and the other way is to have a sense that the Maseya Dayim the things that I can do with myself are of such significance that they produce goodness in the world and that in turn is what the Torah promises us will produce the Simcha and will even bring us to the, to the category of Vayita Ach Samech Marif Have a good Shabbos